I think I've decided I want to live out here. <laughs> it is nice. It's isn't beautiful. It? Yeah. Today's a bit of a funny day, actually. It was beautiful this morning. Ah, uh, but the sky is quite incredible because it's really, like, it's all quite stormy. You can see the clouds all building up and so on, coming yeah. and spilling down through the mountains or hills or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It is lovely. It's got its, uh, it's, got its perks, for sure. Yeah, so you're originally from here. Yeah, I grew up just over, just over there. There's a little fire tower on top of a hill over there. Okay. In the town called Tulangi. Yeah. And went to high school in Hills Hill. Okay. Um, and I started my apprenticeship in the Yarra Valley. Okay. And then went overseas. Wow. And came back and here we are. So was it always your plan to come back or you was sort of uh, an open... Not, probably not. I, to be honest, I didn't have a plan when I left. <laughs> I just wanted to experience other countries. Yeah. How old were you when you went overseas? Uh, I would have been 2010. 20? Okay. No, that doesn't add up. It's 2018 now. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been 22. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and when you set off, did you have somewhere to go to already, or you? Um... Uh, I didn't actually. Um, I was travelling America first okay. for three months, and then while we we're in America, like I had tickets to England. Okay. Um, I wanted to go to France, but I realised obviously I didn't speak French and I didn't have the time to learn. So I thought I'd probably take on more in a kitchen where I understood the language. Yes. Um, so while I was travelling America, I tried to sort out where in England. I would go, um, yeah. and I sent a few emails to the three stars. There's only two at the time. Mm. What if I didn't the Fat Duck, which are like right next to each other anyway? Yeah. Um, and the Fat Duck replied saying that they had a stage available, which is great. So I took it, obviously, awesome. as you do. Yeah. So how long was that stage? It was for a month there. Okay. Uh, but at the end of that, well, probably three weeks into the stage, uh, Jockey, the head of Creativity and Development was his title. Um, he came into the into the prep house where we were all working. There's me and maybe another six stagiaires. And he just kind of yelled out, hey, who wants a, who wants a job? And I thought he meant, you know, then and there to go and, yeah, yeah. Go and pick something right. or do something with him or help him. I was like, oh, give me a hand or whatever. And then he said, you know, meet me after work in the lab. And, oh, that kind of job. Okay. Wow. No, I don't know why anybody else put their hand up. Maybe they... Didn't know. want a job. Didn't want a job, I guess, <laughs> evidently. I didn't want to go and pick things yeah. <laughs> at the stage. So then... Uh, I started in the lab for another, it's a three month block that you normally do in there. Um, I did two, and after two, they offered me a job. Mm. Um, and I was there for another year and ten months until my visa ran out. Wow. And I got kicked out of the country. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> unceremonious, isn't it? Very unceremonious. Yeah. It's an exaggeration to get kicked out, but yeah, my visa ran out. So. The time is up, yeah. 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 So when you say in the lab, that's so that's in the development kind of area, is it? Is we, mm. So is it. Is it ex- Experience, very experience. Well, it's a really dumb question. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's no, it, it is. It, but it is very experimental. Yeah. So, yeah. where do you, where does it, where does it start? Like, do you, are you just following what? Um, like, yeah, well, in my position, there were following guys okay. from Houston. So <laughs> okay. he would say, um, my first project was a beetroot risotto. So he wanted to replace a cauliflower risotto that was on the, um, on the vegetarian menu at the restaurant at the Fat Duck. Um, and he wanted to base it loosely around a beetroot risotto that they'd done for one of the feast shows, um, very loosely in the end. So that was the brief. And then I said, make it, put a few ideas in, and everybody kind of works together in the kitchen. They talk about everybody's projects, and you have more than one going at a time. But that risotto I made for three months every day, making risotto, and have wow. a ta- have a tasting with Hessen on. Uh, at the end of the week, for us, it was at that point in time on Fridays. And he would come in and we would all have our dishes that we were cooking for him. I was doing some for the pubs at the same time and that yeah. one for the restaurant. And the other chef, Ivan, who I ended up working with in Singapore. Okay. He was doing um, 
auditions for the restaurant as well. Is he? He's not here now, is he? No. No, he's in Singapore. Oh, he is. Still. Yeah, he's opened a new restaurant called Nuri. Okay. Which is uh, doing really well. And we're, we haven't confirmed it yet, but we're trying to get him over to do a couple of forehand centers. Oh, nice. Which would be really cool. Yeah. Um, so when you're making those adjustments, though, on the things like a risotto that you're making mm. every day and doing, what, so what are you, like, you're getting, like, more sweetness or more savory or more, is it the texture yeah, of the rice or is it what? It's funny you should say that, because <laughs> for me, the texture of the rice was a big thing because I kept undercooking it. Mm. Which uh, was hilarious in the end. It became a running joke. Mm. But um, like when I say undercooking, he wanted it a very specific way. It wasn't necessarily like you know, mm. crunchy rice or anything. Um, Different schools of thought with risotto, though, too. Whether it should well, there be. are, yeah. And he <laughs> likes it, evidently, a little bit more cooked. Um, okay. But it turned out that it was actually the white soy that we're putting in the risotto to season it. When you put it in there, it kind of firms up the starch in the in the rice okay. when you heat it up, um, and it was making it a little bit crunchier. But that's beside the point. Um, mm. <laughs> Yeah, so things like the, the sweetness and savouriness, but also obviously he's looking at the whole package of the dish and he's mm. saying add this and do this and do that. Um, so it kind of went really in the end full circle after three months of trying different garnishes and at one point we had these little... Actually, they ended up going on the dish. I think that came along about halfway. Little Solero shots, you know what they are? It's no. an English um, ice cream kind of thing. It's not ice cream, it's like little frozen balls okay. you shake out and eat. And we made frozen ones of those out of liquid nitrogen and sour cream and horseradish to go on top of the okay. risotto. But then you would have things like, a, a, originally I started making a foam out of beetroot juice to garnish the risotto, um, which was really tasty, but it didn't work with the dish. So Heston decided that he wanted to put it on somewhere else in, in the menu. It was mm. like a, and now it's in a muse bush they've been serving it for past six years, I think. Wow. It's a little horseradish and beetroot amuse. Okay, yep. So things like that, you know, they're derived from from every project. It's not yeah. necessarily a linear, a linear thing, yeah. Yeah. So is it, is it still like a, if you're just doing that one dish and practicing and experimenting on that for three three months. It's just, pretty dry. Just, I was going to say, <laughs> just really enjoy. Yeah. You know, do you have to keep like, waking up in the morning and reminding yourself I'm working for Heston? Like what? <laughs> oh, that, like you're doing, you are doing a lot of other things. Okay, like, okay. I, was, I was actually a bit lucky because um, I was doing, well, the way it's changed now because I've redone the whole restaurant, but the way it was laid out, every section did certain things for the restaurant. So I was also making stuff for the, um, for the menu on a weekly basis and I was in the position where I was doing the development for the Heinz Head and Bray as well so I had the opportunity to make quite a lot of dishes because the dishes were generally simpler and easier to execute so I ended up probably with most dishes um, approved out of everyone in the lab because I was doing these sort of simpler ones so I had a lot of different interesting things happening which was, was good but Ivan on the other hand was doing a scallop dish that was supposed to be based on, based on leather for it felt like months I don't know how long it actually was because I was doing it but <laughs> You know, so even when you get bogged down in the dishes like the ones in the, in the restaurant that are very specific, yes. it can be a very tedious process. Like yeah. It sounds glamorous, but there's a lot of, oh, yeah. um, with those beetroot macaroons, for example, I think there was only three or four ingredients in there, but you would make like maybe 10 or 15 recipes at once with one gram more, one gram less, and you have to record how much more of each one you put in there, yeah. and then make them all with the same variables, and then taste them and find the best one, and then change the variables on that one until you get it to the best. But that the reason that the restaurant is so successful and was so successful because there's so much work like that put into That's all the right. dishes yeah. that the, the guesswork and um, is gone and the consistency is just spot on it's yeah. unbelievable yeah. The consistent, how consistent the restaurant is 
And do you have to sign something saying that you're not going to steal those ideas and yeah. use them yourself? Yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was... Yeah, a disclaimer of, yeah, the, of the intellectual property that's developed there is, is the restaurants. But is it not hard sometimes when you've spent so much time doing that thing and you've got, you know, would you just naturally sometimes have an idea that might come from there? Yeah, you, yeah, you do, all the time. But yeah. that's some, it's, I don't think it's... I've never seen that specific you know, thing followed up on or anyone get in trouble for it. No. Um, because it's a very grey area, you know, if I was to put a beetroot risotto on the menu here no one's going to ring alarm bells and be like oh there's a beetroot risotto on at this place I wonder if you work at a restaurant you know what I mean <laughs> and it wouldn't make it exactly the same anyway because it wouldn't make sense in this scenario no, so right. yeah. it's, it's a bit vague but I think that's that's more specific for um, things that the restaurant develops that are original and new some of the ideas that get thrown around that aren't happening elsewhere that if someone were to take it and sell it and they can make a profit from it. Sure, and, that's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. There was a couple of projects where we were working for other food companies that hired us to figure out things like moisture barriers and stuff to make food stay crispy in one spot and soft in the other. So if you take that and then you go to a competing company to that company that hires us, and then, sure. then there's issues, obviously. Yeah. I was, and I was speaking to um, Alejandro at Pastuso in the city and he worked for a little bit at um, Fat Duck as well and he was saying the one thing that he learned was to use the whole um, ingredient so he said if you've got it or you learn to look at an ingredient in a different way so for mm. example a carrot um, you know you could just boil it or roast it or whatever but he said you know they were making crackers out of it and a dip and all, and all kinds of things that he'd, that he'd never considered yeah. um, and I guess um, I was reading that you're really into uh, not having any waste and, and no plastic in the kitchen and, and really using the garden here. For, mm. So um, that's probably something that you already uh, had aspirations to do, but did, did the Fat Duck help you with that sort of philosophy? or was it just I more It does, in but line I, in, with in a more um, holistic sense, I guess, that it changes your perspective on how to cook. Mm. Uh, it's different for everybody that works here, I suppose, but what you would take away from it. But yeah, what Alejandro was saying, I guess, is the way that he would look at an ingredient and want to use it to get a certain thing out of it is very different than what a lot of other people would. Sure. Like he had a beetroot, what was it? It was a beetroot custard, sorry, a beetroot jelly and a orange jelly. Obviously beetroot was one. like the um, thing. The go-to <laughs> ingredient. That was actually, that was actually been off the menu for a long time, but as an example, like he would look at those things and he'd make a jelly out of it instead of, I don't know, just poaching and something the beetroot or whatever he would make he made a juice out of it and you eat the lollies they don't tell you which one's which but the beetroot is actually the orange one and the orange one is actually the um red one okay you know? so the it's not a really great example you know, it's nice, but as an example <laughs> of you know looking at things in a different in a different yeah, way yeah 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 so how easy has it been for you to come here and implement those things like plastic plastic free and that's hard yeah it's really hard but we're not there no. By any stretch, yeah, it'll no. take a long time. Yeah. Um, some of the systems that we started doing are really good. Yeah. But there's still there's still a long way to go. The silicon lids, I'm pretty impressed with actually, they're quite amazing. Okay. Um, but there's still yeah a lot of takeaways to go through mm. and a lot of sous bags to go through. Mm. Um, but the biggest problem, surprisingly, I think, is actually probably freezer storage because it's kind of relative to its size, expensive. Souvenir um, makes it so much easier because mm. you can just kind of file everything away, put all the labels at the top, and flip through and find what you need. Yeah. But if you're using um, 
stuff like uh, gastro containers or you know GN pans if you're familiar with kitchen equipment, the little metal ones. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sit in sit in the oven. Anyway, you're using those and you're taking up a lot of space and it's a very specific size. So that's probably going to be the biggest challenge mm. when we get to it. But it's it's also focusing on on zero weight uh, on um, single use plastics. Really. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're going to say zero wastage or is it? Um, so you're, comp- you're obviously composting for yeah out here and yeah composting and recycling and um, yeah. And you will have inherited what was already planted in the garden. So how big is the garden? Uh, it's a bit over a quarter of an acre. There's okay. actually two. There's one. They say it's quite big. Um, so you can't really see it from here, but that had to give it a reference. There's a there's a bit of a valley after the hill there. Okay. And it divides it up again. It's on the crest of that other hill over there. Okay. Um, and yeah, that one's about a quarter of an acre. And there's another one on the other side of the estate behind the Beeson's house, the Beeson's own estate, um, that has our berries in it, globe artichokes and six or seven different varieties of citrus tree. Okay, wow. Orange and le- different kinds of lemon and lime and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, funny you should say that there because uh, Gino, the gardener, he's out here two or three times a week and he sort of plants what we need, you know, we have a bit of a conversation and we figure out what we want to do and mm. he works off that. But previously he didn't have a lot of direction. So he just kind of went with his kind of gut feeling about, you know, what he obviously knows what would grow, yeah. but you know, with what we would need in what sort of quantities. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, the garden's coming coming to an end. Mm. The next probably a couple of weeks. He's planted a lot of stuff two weeks ago, but there's nothing really coming up yet. Onions and spring onions and stuff. But it's a real um, hard time of year. Yes. Kind of resetting for spring. Yeah. So then, do you have to have recourse to other suppliers? And yeah. Yeah. We still do use a veg supplier. Like, say, okay. if we're making a, a duck stock out of the duck bones, we're still going to we'll buy in the whole carrots and the whole onions and stuff for that sort of thing. Um, but I do feel bad most days placing a veg order because our veg supplier is like they're coming out here for a couple of celeriac and like kilogram of carrots. <laughs> no, yeah, like. yeah. Oh, they probably like the drive too. Yeah. Well, they are based in Hillsville, so it's not too far from the Um yeah, so it's been an interesting evolution, but the garden's really, it's coming along. Yeah. Yeah. And that, because um, a couple of chefs I've spoke, Alejandro as well, who's taken his team out to, he's um, in love with Gippsland and the produce there, and he said he takes the team out there and it, um, just to, to, it changes their relationship with the with the food and the way they're using it, so they're less mm. likely to waste things or to, um, to, you know, to make mistakes and throw things out. So um, I guess you, do you, you and your team feel like that as well? With, yeah, it makes it, it definitely it makes a big difference if you're actually having to go out there and pick it in the morning. So the broccoli, for example, for the broccoli dish, if you go and pick it and break it down, and then if you overcook some or something, then you've got to drive back out of the garden to go and pick more. So it's yes. a huge difference than, oh, it's all this sort of heaps and then keep yeah. it in the fridge forever. And Annie Smithers as well talked about that, about, you know, she really nurtured her, you know, plants through from a seed through to, the, you know, the, what was on the plate. And so I guess you're looking at the weather a bit differently too and hoping that it's going to rain or it's going to be sunny or whatever, you know, it's yeah. sort of a whole other dimension to just using the supplier, isn't it? Yeah, it gives you more connection, which is... Yeah in a large part what the restaurant is about mm. it's connecting the chefs to the food and the people and the mm. people to the food mm. so if that connection from the chefs to the ingredients isn't really there then you're kind of missing an integral part in mm. the land maybe yeah yeah like, definitely easing indi- the indigenous native yeah we use a decent amount of stuff from Outback Chef she's got a really good 
sourcing program. She sources from indigenous tribes nice. around the country, really. Um, so we use her wattle seed for the bread, Davidson plum, um, anise myrtle, macadamias, obviously, mm. um, sandalwood nuts, pepperberries, and there's another one that I'm forgetting. Yeah, but we use a decent amount of native yeah. stuff, yeah. It's good, isn't it? It's that sort of rediscover, maybe rediscovery or reconnection that we're getting now. Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes a big difference, I think, because it's, yeah. it's stuff that, in an aspect like her business, where it's supporting people that um, kind of hold that information and that's right. actually probably need a bit more support. They're not yes. going to start a business necessarily, but they're actually making a living out of what they would probably generally do as a community. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's nice to be able to support. And they're amazing ingredients as well. Pretty easy. Yeah, good. <laughs> itself, itself. And um, Alicia, I think mentioned maybe that you are more used to into plant-based, a plant-based mm. uh, diet cuisine. Yeah. <laughs> what does that look like here on the menu, for example? Uh, the menu would probably read really like any other menu. There's a couple more vegetable dishes in the entrees, um, but it reads with one veg main dish and four meat dishes. But all of those meat dishes, all the desserts, and all the entrees don't have the menu. Doesn't have any dairy or egg or butter in it. Mm. Um, and the accompaniments for the like the duck dish, for example, it's plant-based except for the duck and the sauce, which we're making out of the bones of the duck. So we're not buying in extra stuff except for the meat that we're sourcing. And we're obviously trying to source the highest quality meat that we can. Mm. Um, but it is a bit of a struggle sometimes. Um, maybe struggle's not the right word because I've been doing it for a while now but like to live a plant-based sort of lifestyle at home mm. and then have to come to work and not a lot but at least try a little bit of the meat and mm. a little bit of the sauce to make sure that the balance and the seasoning and everything's correct mm. is a little bit of a gripe I suppose that I've learned to live with but there's not a lot I can really do about wow. it wow yeah it would be difficult here unless you are in a <laughs> yeah in a, a, in a, a vegan restaurant that's right yeah, yeah. which yeah. to be honest it's, it's hard to find yeah. yeah, that's right. There's not a lot of places that are doing food at this level that would be really happy to have an entirely vegan restaurant. No. Unless you're having your own restaurant. It's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, well, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and is this your first role as, as head chef? Or yeah. In, yeah, in Singapore I was a chef de cuisine, which is kind of very similar, to be honest. Um, but yeah, this is the first time not having somebody to bounce ideas off and that mm. mutual relationship, because we work together, I don't know, referring to for a bit over a year in England and we lived together as well. Wow. And then we worked together in Singapore for four years. So we had a really good relationship. We all we cooked the same sort of food. We had a similar style of cooking. We still do have a similar style of cooking, to be honest. And we know each other so well. So mm. we wanted to make a dish or if he wasn't there, I wasn't there. It was a lot of continuity anyway. Mm. Whereas here, if I'm not here, it's I'm kind of thinking, oh, what's going on? What's yeah. Going on? yeah. <laughs> So I guess that's part of it too, isn't it? In, in this role now, you have to um, you have to really train up your team to do mm. to, to have your same style and um, consistency. Yeah, which throws a bit of a spanner in the works when it, everything is sort of not everything, well, because it's meat on the menu, but most stuff is plant based because they're not used to doing it. Mm. Um, I'm very lucky to have a really open minded team of people. Um, which is really good. I was a bit nervous coming in thinking, oh, they're all going to want to leave because they're going to want to cook with butter and cream and you yeah. know, do traditional French things and mm. whatnot. But they've been really open-minded to the idea and seem to be really enjoying it. Yeah. That's so good, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Mm. And did you get to France at all while you were travelling? Yeah, I went to Paris a couple of times. Okay. Um, 
but not nowhere near enough travel. Yeah. yeah. My brother's in England now, actually. He's, he's been to 30 different countries. Wow. Yeah. Not like four. <laughs> Putting <laughs> yeah, a shame. Yeah. Like, I didn't do it well at all. Wow, you probably had a, you had a different focus, didn't you? Yeah. Really? So, yeah, there was. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. that's my excuse, anyway. Yeah. And, um, and what advice would you give to, to um, young people who are entering, entering the industry from your experience? Uh, I'd say just to keep an open mind. A lot of people go into it with the expectation of um, finishing school and being a head chef, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they've got that uh, level of, uh, what's the word for it? Disillusion. <laughs> yeah, well, it is disillusion, yeah. But uh, I guess the expectation of what they're going to be able to achieve. But without the experience and um, the perspective of travelling and working in different restaurants, mm. it's very rare that somebody's really able to, you know, excel and do that. That was a really big gripe in Singapore, to be honest. A lot of the young kids that come out of the cooking schools there just think that they're the bee's knees. Yeah. And they just want to dump straight into a managerial role and they don't want to do any of the hard yards. Mm. Um, so partly yeah. generational, I think, and it's also partly reality TV's fault, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's specific to the hospitality industry, really. No. I don't know that much about other industries. No, but I think, yeah. 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 Everyone's a filmmaker, everyone's a writer, everyone's yeah. a chef. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, thank you. Oh, pleasure. <laughs> I've got a photo already. Um,